Hello, 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 everybody, one and all. Welcome to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend, Charles. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friend as well, Dylan, but not just any fantasy, because today... Oh. Yes, that's right. Today, we are talking about uh, a particular trope in fantasy, and this is a continuation of our character series. You know, we've done our favorite fantasy characters. We've done our favorite protagonists. We've done our favorite antagonists. And now we're reaching a little bit further into that barrel here, coming up with some new tropes. And one of the quintessential fantasy tropes is that of the mentor well charles who molded all of our favorite protagonists in the genre it was these wonderful mentors that's exactly right i mean these are the ones that are in the series they are providing their wisdom their sage advice whether the characters are ready for it or not sometimes they're driving forces of adventure Sometimes they're the ones with all the answers. Either way, it's always super exciting to see how this kind of trope of the wise teacher, the mentor figure, is embraced in fantasy. And we're going to talk about ones that are more classic, traditional mentor. And some of those maybe not so traditional mentors. But you know what? We love them all. Do you want to start us off with the quintessential mentor in fantasy, Charles? I do. You know, like for me, we got to go gold standard Lord of the Rings. And for me, that gold standard mentor is Gandalf. He's he's the complete package. He's old. He's wise. He's powerful. Long beard, pointy hat, staff, robe. He's got some of the best quotes in the series he's got these feats of great power he's always dropping these wisdoms he goes from every leadership character in the book and he's giving them counsel and advice he's the driving force of the the fellowship of the ring and that's what makes him like this quintessential like oh he is the one that every character looks to he's imparting wisdom on everyone he's leading the charge for good against evil that's right charles all many have attempted to replicate the gandalf figure in their stories but all that glitters is not gold standard Mm-hmm. that's very true it's hard to like write a gandalf character without feeling like you're ripping off gandalf himself you know it's a tough quest both for the mentor trope and for just like the wizard trope you yeah. know it, you're you're walking that fine line of like man am i just like writing another gandalf here like to make it feel unique because gandalf is like very epic high level like you know soft magic he can do anything he knows everything and he's been around for a really long time he knows every character from tom bombadil to Treebeard. he's had these one-on-one meaningful conversations with all of them and he has this love and affinity for every race including hobbits and and you know he's 
he he sees the strength in all creatures, not even the ones that are just simply powerful. And that's what makes him such a beautiful mentor, this encouraging force that drives um, all of the good in Lord of the Rings. That's well said, Charles. Yeah, anytime you have this wise, age-old wizard character, we immediately start slotting them into that Gandalf place. And I think a character that, if if you're good to move from Gandalf, because we've talked Let's a ton do it. about... Yeah. Everyone knows uh, Gandalf. <laughs> everyone knows Gandalf, and we talked a ton about him in our buddy read of the Lord of the Rings. So, we sure did. Uh, we, people can go there if they want to hear more. A character that we easily try to slip into that role, I think, when we read about him is Baez from the First Law trilogy by Joe Abercrombie, which is someone that we're reading about right now in our ongoing buddy read. Uh, he's nice. he's someone, you know, Joe Abercrombie, he prioritizes writing he says, but is it true is a question he's always asking himself when mm. he's writing. And I think in his head, when he starts imagining this Gandalf type character, that's the response that comes up for him is like, well, is it true though? And the Baez character, we're introduced to him. We know he's first of the Magi and stuff. And we're introduced to him in a way where <laughs> the character that meets him, Logan, pretty much mistakes, I think, multiple other characters <laughs> as Baez because the actual Baez looks nothing like what you'd expect from this first of the Magi type. In fact, Logan mistakes him for a butcher. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I don't think Tolkien was often asking himself if this was a true thing. Yeah. I think he was writing, "Is this fantastical and 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 uh, epic?" Uh, and this is well said. I think Abercrombie, his writing is almost like a response to Tolkien of like, "What if we kind of ground these characters more, and how can we play with that like high epic fantasy trope?" And I think when he was taking on that Gandalf character, it, it, he he found it in Baez, and it and it comes up so many times in these interesting ways where, um, you know, he's he's you know we talked about what makes Gandalf the gold standard, including his pointy hat, his staff, his robe, and we know right away that Baez is none of those things. He's kind of balding. He's wearing, he's, he's mistaken for a butcher. He's wearing like an apron. He's doing like this manual labor, I think. He's like butchering an animal, I think. And he's mistaking like all of these like academic types with the long beards. It's like, oh, you're, you must be biased because you look like a wizard character. And they're like, oh, what? No, I'm not biased. And it's just a very deliberate attempt to like shake things up. And I think what's interesting about Baez in this like mentor role is that he and I'm trying to skirt the line here we're not going to do any spoilers here uh, but Baez he's he's takes people on and he but he's not like the and he's been around for a very long time like Gandalf has you know he's he's almost like this ancient mythical 
person. But but Baez, when we meet him, he's like holed up in his castle and he's, you know, only teaching his library, I believe. Library, right? It's not so much a castle as it is like his library. And he's very focused on his own personal life and he's not out there. He, He starts to at the beginning of the book meet with Logan and things like that but he, he he's not as like driven as Gandalf is he's not as like um you know oh I I've talked with all the mythical creatures and we must go on this quest to fight evil it's not that at all Baez is very much like a down-to-earth guy when you meet him he's very much like could pass for any other human being and I think that was just Abercrombie's deliberate attempt of at being like this is the mentor character but he's not gonna be like this epic mythical guy i want to ground him a little bit and i think that's what makes him particularly interesting as like this wizard mentor type right <laughs> that that's true charles it it rains on magi all the same as anyone else <laughs> in in the world of joe abercrombie uh, right right he likes to so, play with kind of perspectives yeah. and and keeping things restrained and bias when we first you know, in those first moments when he's being introduced, it is very restrained. It's not like, oh, and here in this shooting off fireworks and greeting all, and all the hobbits are gathering around cheering to see him. It's like he's getting confused for other people. It's like, which one is he? He's not like, what's going on? <laughs> it's very interesting to see the comparison for your for your main like Gandalf type to, to be that almost indistinguishable. That's true, Charles. And I think that, you know, these... These Gandalf and Baez types are a particular kind of mentor, but mm-hmm. they're they're you know first off they're both these wizard types, and and that's not the only kind of mentor that you get in the fantasy genre. Far from it, mm-hmm. and I think that a different kind of mentor would be a lot of people's favorites probably in the whole genre which is uncle iroh from avatar the last Uh, airbender of course and uh he's he's a big tea drinker charles i know that appeals to (laughs) gotta respect the tea game (laughs) yeah (laughs) so and well obviously from the fire nation and uh, all that not your typical wizard type a a little bit more playing into these wise older uncle who takes a particular interest in one character which i think also differs from a gandalf type where gandalf's kind of a mentor to everyone he interacts with but a lot of the best mentors in fantasy like iroh take a particular interest in, in one person and try to mold that one person. Another thing that Iroh has going for him that's a pretty common mentor shtick is, I, I won't get into any spoilers, but we we know some pretty early on that he has maybe a little bit more of a violent history to him and he wasn't always that way he wasn't always this laid-back relaxed sage he has the history of a of a warrior and has stepped away from that lifestyle to some extent obviously he's following zuko around while zuko exactly and to to complement that he's very um understated in terms of how 
strong he is. Like we know he was like the, um, he was like a high ranking general, you know, he's in the Royal family, right. And of a very militaristic nation and to see him being like purposely peaceful, he's not, he's not entering the fighting, you know? So he's very much kind of pulled back and restrained. And I think you see a lot of that in these like older, wiser, like with his, like these mentors with history where they are very restrained and they're like true power is not using power, you know, like that kind of, that kind of shtick. And I think Zook and I think uh, Uncle Iroh falls right into that. Right. And it's great when paired with a character like Zuko, where Zuko is choosing, like you mentioned, Charles, more impulsive, spiteful, angry path right now. And we see that Iroh is someone who has stepped away from that. And uh, we're, we're trying to figure out, can he help sway Zuko or can he not? And I think that's one of the big questions of you know the yes. mentor role can they actually bring the person they're trying to mentor to their way of thinking in the way that they themselves oftentimes have been able to step away from some of these more some of these foibles right uh, and and it's that relationship between Iroh and Zuko right like can Iroh get through to Zuko and that's just like one of the biggest driving forces of Avatar, and it's like why Uncle Iroh's not only a great mentor, but one of my favorite characters in that show. Um, another interesting, like, like can the mentor get through to the pupil kind of dynamic is from one of our most discussed series on the podcast, and and um, certainly one of our favorites, which is the King Killer Chronicles. We're talking about Elodin. Right. Well, Elodin fits this sort of kooky mentor trope, which comes up every once in a while in the fantasy genre, where you get the sense that maybe this person has a lot of really wise things to offer, but also it's wrapped up in this package where you don't know whether what they're saying is nonsense or really, really wise, just to right. the point that you don't understand it. Right. Um, so one of the twists on this in the King Killer Chronicle is Elden is master namer and people claim that you quote unquote lose your mind at times from naming. Uh, so he's someone who you get to toy with the idea at least of did this guy go kooky if you will <laughs> by nature of being master namer or yeah. is this guy so good at this naming thing that he's able to see past some of the stuff that us folks who don't know how to do that can see and right. he's a great contrast to a protagonist that you and I both love, Quoth. <laughs> For sure. Where Eldon just says whatever's on his mind, it seems like, and he's not worried about it seeming like nonsense or being uh, just whatever. And he also seems in some ways maybe just in touch with what he's feeling in a way that is different from Quoth, who overthinks everything and almost gets in his own way because he thinks too much. So it's really fun to see 
Eladin <laughs> sort of reluctantly, I, I won't get into the details of it, but uh, sort of reluctantly play a mentor role for Quoth, the extent mm-hmm. to which he actually takes Quoth on as <laughs> as a mentor-mentee. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that you'll have to read the series to find out about. Right. It's interesting to compare like in terms of their like kookiness or their like like their like kind of off the wall behavior with Elodin and Uncle Iroh. Like Uncle Iroh is like purposely silly. He's often like the comic relief in the show. And but you know that he's imparting these wisdoms and he's very deliberately the mentor for Zuko like that's his role and he's not afraid to be like hmm delicious tea or deadly poison should I make it what do you think you know and he's always like telling these funny jokes but Elodin is like the next level of like he's like very stream of consciousness in the way he talks and teaches where most people don't even get it and lots of people question if he's even like making any sense when he's teaching and it's that kind of not knowing while still being in this teacher position uh, and where, where people like some people just like don't even bother showing up to his class. And that's just kind of the effect that he has on the on the students at school. Right. Where it's like, is, is he all there? Self is one of those people. Who yeah. doesn't <laughs> always bother to show up to his class. Right. So it's interesting to see like, oh, you have a mentor character that like doesn't show up to class or that like students are giving up on or you're not even wholly convinced that he's um like capable of being that teacher role like is this guy making any sense actually like is he so you can't tell if what he's saying is like so wise that we just don't understand it because he's on another plane of understanding what he's teaching or if he really just is talking nonsense and it's you know funny to watch that play out and it kind of adds to the mystery of the some of the magic systems that are going on in the king killer chronicles and i think it's what kind of gives that mentor role a little extra depth in king killer a little more uniqueness in in eladin well said charles well there's another mentor character that we read about recently in our buddy read of the poppy war trilogy Mm -hmm. by rf kwong which is jang and when he came into the scene for the first time i immediately thought about eladin (laughs) he falls right into that same kooky mentor trope where you get the sense there might be more than meets the eye to him, but he's also pulling the same kind of shenanigans in a school (laughs) setting that Elodin pulls where no one's really taking his classes seriously. No one knows if he actually has any knowledge to offer his whole lore line of teaching. People are like, yeah, that's nonsense. (laughs) But it's coupled with some of these aspects of patience and I guess sage tendencies. Serenity kind of stuff. Serenity, if you will. Yeah, serenity. Mindfulness. Also serve to counterbalance the (laughs) protagonist. Rin is turn that rashness from Quoth up to 11 and just absolutely relentless and has none of the virtue of patience. So all this nonsense that you have to deal with with the kooky mentor trope, 
it feels like somehow Quoth is even more patient with Aladdin than Rin is when it comes to Zhang. And that seems to be a pairing that works well in the fantasy genre because we as the reader can really resonate with a protagonist that's like, I just like give us the answers here. Yeah. Yeah, And like Rin is such a unique protagonist where she's very like determined like let's get from a to b whatever it takes like i'll stay up all night studying or i'll memorize a whole book so that i can like word for word so that i can ace a test instead of like trying to you know understand it you know that's kind of her going in and and jang is like the opposite (laughs) jang is like you don't even need the book man like (laughs) you know that kind of idea so it's very interesting to see the two of them paired up and like you said, he, the comparisons to Elodin and Kingkiller Chronicles are super interesting. And, and I just think it comes down to like having a good mentor-mentee relationship. And that's what like Elodin, Jang, Iroh, they all have that in spades of balancing out like, okay, what does the protagonist need in a mentor? And how challenging is the mentor? Like how credible is the mentor? Like all these things that they're playing around with make for this interesting interesting balance that's like the driving relationship of, of these books. A mentor is only as good as their mentee, Charles. That's very well said, Dylan. Couldn't agree more. <laughs> well, you brought up a character in our notes over here that I don't know much about at all. <laughs> That's Master Lee from the Chronicles of Master Lee and Number 10 Ox by Barry, is it Hewart? Hewart or Hugart? I think it's Hugart. Um, sure. Barry Hugart. Tell us about Master Lee. Well, this is a talk about mentor mentee like being the driving force like they're like the two main characters so you have um this whole book is written to be kind of inspired by chinese folklore um but it's told through like a more modern fantasy lens but you have number 10 ox who's like uh basically He's kind of the main protagonist. He's kind of like a gentle giant type, right? And then you have Master Lee, who's very much this ancient sage scholar type. And he always says he has a slight flaw in his character, which basically means he kind of lives like a hermit and enjoys his spirits every once in a while. You know, some of these more unsavory things that we would probably never see in like a Gandalf type. Um, He has a... He, he he takes on this client, number 10 Ox, and brings him on as an assistant. And he uses, basically, almost kind of like, like uses number 10 Ox as his his body, kind of. He kind of will sometimes ride on his back. And number 10 Ox will be kind of the, execute all the things that require feats of strength or brawn. So it's like brains traveling with brawn, which we see that relationship in books sometimes of like oh i'm the smarts and and you're the strength and they how they like get through adventures together but in master lee's case he's got these unsavory elements and tendencies to him that pairs really wonderfully with this almost like um innocent number 10 ox you know sometimes number 10 ox kind of keeps master lee in check of like we should do this because it's the right thing to do and these people are innocent and need our help and master lee's like but they have no money (laughs) so it's like it's interesting to see that kind of balance where it's not necessarily like the uncle iroh zuko of like i'm changing you it's like we're helping each other it's more symbiotic and that's just what makes 
uh, masterly interesting and there's so much humor in these stories as well and that's just kind of what makes masterly stand out as a mentor it's like well he's also is kind of learning from number 10 ox and he's got a lot of flaws in his character that some of these other characters might not acknowledge about themselves and it's kind of interesting he's almost kind of like a master roshi type a little bit i would say and that's what makes him a bit more uh unique in the mentors that we've discussed today Nice, Charles. Well, hopefully Master Lee can keep number 10 ox from going the way of number one through nine ox. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, here, here, here's hope. I've never read the series. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea if there's a number one through nine ox. There is not. <laughs> but uh, you'll, you'll have to read and find out. I highly recommend the series. Mm. Nice. Well, I don't have any fun segues from Master Lee to Albus Dumbledore, Charles. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about Harry Potter. We're talking about Dumbledore. That's, that's what you need to know. I mean, come on. I, I'm sure most people, when they saw the mentors headlines, like think of like five fantasy mentors. Everyone's saying Dumbledore, right? I mean, he's that prolific as a character. Prolific. Well, like everyone knows him, I guess is a better way of saying it. He's just He's popular, definitely renowned. famous, yeah. renowned is a great word. Yeah, I mean, Dumbledore, you know, he's got that whole wizard thing going for him, obviously. So he, he evokes some feelings like he's a Gandalf type, but it's more in that school setting. He's... <laughs> He's basically a glorified principal, right? Right. He's a headmaster. <laughs> yeah, glorified principal. <laughs> and he Yeah, it's an it's an interesting role that Dumbledore seems to play cuz he he's not as hands-on it feels like as some of these other mentors are, right? right. He's got a whole school to run. Some of the other mentors we mentioned, they're usually not the headmaster type they're usually like a particular teacher and Dumbledore he kind of has his own stuff going on while Harry which which you need because Harry and the gang need to get into their own kid shenanigans about and if Dumbledore is on top of them then they wouldn't be able to but he certainly always has an eye looking toward them and their goings on and he definitely has a lot of that mentor role where he he teaches valuable lessons it's just a little bit more coming in later and saying like here's what we all learned (laughs) yeah exactly let's go through the process i think what makes dumbledore so interesting is he is kind of that beacon of of light and information and hope both for the characters and for us as the reader. Like when Dumbledore starts a monologue, you're like, Oh, we're about to learn what's really happened. You know, like we're about to get the whole story, you know? So when you like, when something is coming from Dumbledore, you basically accept it as like, this is law basically. Like this is what's happening. This is what's going on. This is the right thing to do because it's what Dumbledore wanted to do. And he knows everything and he's super wise. He's been around forever. Everyone loves him that kind of thing. So in that kind of role as a mentor, he kind of walks into the scene and like he knows everything and he understands the right path for everything pretty much. That's like the air he puts on it. And Harry uh, is admires Dumbledore greatly. So right from the beginning. And um, that's a pretty 
interesting relationship to see. And then as the reader, we know we're getting this like, wow, okay. It's that scene where Dumbledore comes out, you know, and lays down the law. So it's always interesting. He kind of keeps the mystery alive. He has his own adventures going on, like you said, and that's kind of keeps the mystery alive. A lot of times it's like Harry's like, where's Dumbledore? I need him to figure, to like solve this mystery or I need to tell Dumbledore what's going on, you know? And it's like, well, that's, he's not here. You got to figure it out for yourself. You know, the kind of his absence, it, it forces Harry to develop, which is also a unique kind of plotting device of like, well, here's the character that knows everything that you hope to talk to. And oh, they're not here right now. What are you going to do? You got to figure it out for yourself, Harry. And that, kind of adds to the excitement of it it's like what do you do when your mentor figure's not here right now <laughs> like how are you gonna ha- how are you gonna handle yourself well said charles another character that fits more of that headmaster feel rather than particular teacher feel that w- we really enjoyed reading about is abyss glass from the book of the ancestor by friend of the show mark lawrence that's right and he he writes a really incredible character with glass that i think sort of in a similar manner when you start reading about bias like we talked about and then they're like oh this is kind of like the first law version of gandalf like you're it's hard not to start thinking about that abbott's glass feels to me like someone who you start thinking oh so this is kind of the book the ancestors dumbledore Mm. but uh i personally like abbott's glass (laughs) a little better than uh dumbledore and right i think that uh, we said the mentor is only as good as their mentee and i think that the nona abyss glass relationship is one i find much more intriguing than the dumbledore harry relationship harry's taken a lot of flack in the past for being kind of a blank slate protagonist like a self-insert kind. yeah and you know maybe has a little bit more going on than just a total blank slate but compared to the other characters in that book i mean harry's a great example of that being successful right harry's a great character for those reasons you fall in love with the world of harry potter seeing it through the eyes of harry potter to insert yourself in it right so it has those benefits but yeah i agree where you're i like where you're going with this with right uh, nona nona is anything but a blank slate nona (laughs) has a ton of personality and things that she values a lot and Nona is someone who pretty early on we learn cares a lot about friendship is someone prone to some sentimentality and also prone to some of that rashness that we've discussed before and she's contrasted with Abbas Glass who is a really long-term thinker she plays the long game as they like to say who likes to come up with plans and also is very pragmatic so Mm -hmm. some of these aspects of nona sentimentality and rashness met with the pragmatism of abyss glass gives us a lot of fun interactions that we say oh here's how nona can learn so much from a character like abyss glass very true. And unlike Harry Potter, Book of the Ancestor has a lot more of this like political intrigue going on. And 
I think Abbas Glass's character of someone who like plots out strategies like a game of chess, you know, like thinking a few turns ahead and entering that political realm uh, adds like a nuanced layer to her. And it's super interesting to see Nona, who's very young, like when she enters this um, when she enters this world, she's very naive. Everything's very new to her. And to to see a seasoned hand of Abbas Glass, like Nona's thrown right into politics right away. And, and Abbas Glass is kind of like there beside her, kind of guiding through the motions of like, here's how the political factions work. Like, here's how you have to kind of act or behave or whatever. Or here's what I'm looking for you to do or anything like that and it's super interesting in that capacity to see how like Nona falls into Abbas Glass's plans and how also Abbas Glass is setting an example for Nona where I don't really see like um because Harry's just older than Nona is at the beginning of the respective series I don't really kind of see that same relationship with Dumbledore for example yeah that's well said (laughs) I think that it's uh it's a lot of fun to read about Glass and Nona because of those aspects. Yeah. And watching Nona just learn just from watching other. Glass yeah. is really interesting as well. It's a really like interesting part of like especially in the first book, you know. Yeah. And Glass another thing is like Glass isn't she's not perfect in the ways <laughs> that it feels like Dumbledore is, I guess. Right, right. It's like Glass feels like more of just a person and maybe maybe she can learn a little bit from Nona. Not that that, I feel that's like an explicit theme of Book the Ancestor or anything like that Mm -hmm. in the ways that you made sound for Master Lee over there. But I just feel like Dumbledore, what what could Dumbledore learn from anyone? And Abyss Glass actually has what feel like authentic interactions that are like genuine with Nona in a way. I'm I'm sure Dumbledore kind of does with Harry, but I don't know. Their chemistry is... Yeah, Dumbledore is acting on these higher levels of, like, you have to love everyone and understand people. And I was like, okay, so, you know, these people and these people, you you talk about this thing and that gets that person... You know, it's, like, very, like, battle strategy, right? So it's not like that high-level Dumbledore-Gandalf plane of existence. It's, It's much more, like political scheming level of existence and known as watching the subtleties of politics play out just by witnessing Abbas Glass doing her thing and is getting mentored in that way is like is very interesting and for someone who like me who loves just to, to watch how political factions work and to see those like bureaucratic moments play out it's you know Abbas Glass is a shining example of of taking on a mentor role for something as complicated as here's how you handle a, like a bureaucratic procedure. <laughs> like here's how you get by on that. And here's how you drop the book on people and things like that. And so I just really and, like it. Yeah. Charles as a man who's been referred to as the dachshund of our <laughs> podcast, uh, nothing gets him happier than a little bureaucracy, but when it's exciting, every <laughs> sure. In front of every dachshund, there must be a Kelsier, and Mm. that's the last mentor on our list that we wanted to talk about here is Kelsier from the Mistborn trilogy by Brandon Sanderson. Kelsier's definitely a standout on this list. I'm going to go as far as to say he's the youngest, though I think Elodin's pretty young too, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know how much we know or don't know about Elodin's age. Right. 
Yeah. So, I mean, but beyond age, I mean, Kelsier has this, he's almost falls into this like roguish type category, yeah. whereas a lot of these mentors fall into wizard categories. Kelsier is very like charismatic and charming and he drops these one-liners and he leads his crew through just like being everyone's buddy and like occasionally like ribbon people cracking wise you know like that kind of mentality much more on that roguish side um he's what makes him an interesting mentor is that he's probably wouldn't be a great he's like probably not what you'd consider to be mentor material <laughs> but it's like <laughs> He's a guy that the probably shouldn't be near. Curve, yeah, he probably shouldn't be near any young minds. You know, he should not be the one influencing these, molding these young minds. You know, uh, be, just because he's like you say, he's a member of a thieving crew. He's kind of dangerous. He's a he's working through his own stuff, right? He's probably in use of a good mentor, but just through the nature of the world of Mistborn, which is pretty unforgiving. Uh, I think he did have. There's a mentor. I can't remember the name. Of he the, did the have someone that there was a mentor character for Kelsier that gets referenced from time to time. Yeah, there was. <laughs> yeah, and it sounds like that that character may have been a little bit more of your typical mentor type in some ways. Have some of that more patience and stuff like that. While mm-hmm. Kelsier has a lot of the qualities that we often describe the protagonists in the mentor or mentee relationship. The mentees often have a lot of Kelsier type I guess tendencies. Right. So Kelsier, he he is younger, he is charming and charismatic like you say, Charles, uh, and he's more thrust into this mentor role because Vin ends up being, Vin who's the mentee in this situation ends up being someone who he needs on his thieving crew. But as he's the only one capable of taking her on as a mentee, you know, like there is no one else. (laughs) It's it's just (laughs) you and me kid. Like we're going to have to figure this one out together. You know, (laughs) he's also a bit impulsive, hot headed, things like that. Exactly. Yeah. And has a few, a few opinions about nobles that, Maybe Gandalf and <laughs> some some others would more virtuous. Of. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right. More. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. And I also think you know when you have a mentor that's maybe not ideally suited for the job, I think your mentee kind of picks up some of those bad habits. And I think Vin often kind of idolizes certain aspects of Kelsier at that are maybe not considered the most um you know mentor friendly the hot-headed the impulsive the like oh i'll put all the burden on me to go out and do this thing because i've got the power to do it or whatever you know like she does adopt some of those tendencies and it's interesting to see of like oh wow she's not just learning how to love everybody and love yourself and um you know or learn how to be really good at fighting or whatever she's also like you know working through a lot of like personal stuff and like and like dealing with other people and how to have meaningful relationships you know things that 
because there's no one else, it's just her and Kelsey, or she, that's, that's her only reference, and it's challenging to navigate in this world, you know? So it's interesting to see, like, can she form trusting, loving relationships? Like, it's difficult, <laughs> because she doesn't have that reference. You make great points there, Charles. That's part of what Sanderson does so well with Kelsier and what makes him so different from some of these other characters is at time. I know you mentioned times in which Dumbledore isn't around and you've got these moments where Harry has to think of what to do without Dumbledore. Mm -hmm. And if he could only find the answer of what Dumbledore would say or do during those times, then he'd have the right answer of what <laughs> right. he's supposed to do. Right. Well, <laughs> when it comes to Vin looking up to Kelsier, even when he is around and he's espousing what he thinks they should do, you have to go that next step with him as a mentor and say, I, do I, Vin... <laughs> actually think that what my mentor Kelsier is saying is morally okay or <laughs> right or is this guy even you know saying the kind of things that I want to emulate so Sanderson doesn't just give answers with Kelsier as a mentor he raises lots of questions Ooh, that's very well said Dylan and it's true because you know a huge you know one of the biggest themes in Mistborn is Vin and her relationships with other people, right? She's very not trusting. She's grown up on the streets. She's part of a thieving crew. Trust and meaningful relationships, especially in the world of Mistborn, which is very grim, is a hard thing to achieve. And uh, there's a lots of cases where she's like, oh, I know what Kelsier would do, but is right. that what I want to do? <laughs> like, oh, Kelsier exactly. would just do this, but is that right for me? And, you know, she's starting to, when she in the in the first book she starts to have her own like ideas and opinions and she's coming she's growing up she's coming into her own and she's like Kelsier would hate this but is that okay like that's probably okay because you know Kelsier wasn't right all the time Kelsier has issues <laughs> that of his own you know he hates nobility as we know amongst other things so it's like okay well um walking that line of like oh, if only I knew what Dumbledore would do, that's the right thing. It's like, oh, I know right away what Kelsier would do. The question is, is that a good thing to do or not? And I think that's just like what makes you know, some of those themes in Mistborn so well lived in and earned. It all comes from that mentor-mentee relationship with a slightly more gray character mentor in, in Kelsier. That's right, Charles. And there's there's so many other great men we could do a whole yeah, other episode i think on this there's so many other great mentors i uh, i wanted to bring up father chains at some point but i also know we'll read lies of Locke lamora mm. later on and you and i will have a more fruitful discussion when you've read that one so there's my little plug for eventually <laughs> we'll, we'll, i want to do that book so bad so <laughs> one of these yeah, days we'll get there i mean there's so many great mentors in fantasy they're one of the staples of this genre and i'm sure we've missed some and if you do have any mentors that you think are awesome mentors in fantasy then you can reach out to us that's right you Charles, most where can certainly they do that all right. Well, you know, I get that outro music. Exactly. Out. I was getting yeah. to yeah. So you know what? You're thinking of um, you're thinking of different mentors. You want to reach out. Here's how you can do it. 
Thank you, everyone, for listening. If you do want to let us know about those mentors, go ahead and reach out to us on Twitter at the FTF Podcast with a number one at the end. If you prefer Facebook or Instagram, we have those too. You can find us at the FTF Podcast. If you know it, social media is one thing, but I'd much rather shoot you guys an email that directs, you know, personal touch. We got one of those also at the podcast at gmail.com. Now, let's say you wanted to show some love for the show, some support. You just happen to be using Apple Podcasts. Dylan, what can they do to show their support and love? Toss five stars to our podcast. Charles has sung about it many times. <laughs> you have the option to just scroll down on that Apple Podcast page and find where those blank stars are click five of them if you like what you're hearing and leave a review if you do have time but even just listening and getting to the end of this episode that is so appreciated thank you all yes thank you all for listening and as always go forth and conquer friends